This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, Hope International University, and Food for the Hungry. I bring you a podcast that is all about the craft, the art of communicating, but being the kind of preachers and teachers and leaders where our character leads the way. And as we do our final episode for 2022, I wanted to do something different. And this, this is um, on the heels of coming back from a Food for the Hungry trip. I, I had the privilege to go with two dear friends, uh, partners in ministry, uh, Jordan Gustafson and Andrew Richards, who both serve with Food for the Hungry. And I, I, I had the privilege to visit multiple communities there. And I, I just found myself going, gosh, like everybody needs to see this. Um, to, to experience what I experienced. But then we began having deeper conversations on the ground, in the hotel, uh, in the airport, about how we as preachers and teachers actually move our people towards the mission. Uh, not just mission of making disciples, which is so important, but the mission of actually seeing this world become everything God intended it to be. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about preaching towards mission and why mission is so important. And then also how each and every one of us can get involved in what God is up to in the world. And so um, without further ado, Jordan Gustafson, Andrew Richards, welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Good to be with you, Steve. Awesome. Awesome. Jordan, I, I'm going to start with you, man. Uh, explain your role because uh, you and I, we, we've traveled together. We've, we've been around pastors and leaders together. Um, but, but, but start with what is your role with Food for the Hungry? Yeah. Thanks so much, Steve. And so stoked to get to be on with you guys today and share a little bit about what God is doing in the world and also how we ultimately ha have the opportunity to, to move people towards it. And so my role specifically is that, is how do we bring the body together? How do we set the table? How do we get the right people in the right spaces ultimately to see the kingdom come? Um, that doesn't just happen here in the United States. That happens all around the world. And that means that we have to catalyze people all around the world to get to come together to share their cultural expression, all that they have the opportunity to bring to it that ultimately God's deposited within them. It's God's given them, that it's a gift to the body. And so when we come together in partnership, we have the opportunity to do that, to see that expression, to see, uh, again, the table set with people coming from such a diverse uh, array of backgrounds, different places, different spaces geographically, different races, different ethnicities, to be able to say, hey, how do we more fully represent what could be, what could happen when we all come together when that happens? And so that's, that's my job. That's my privilege. I get to do that, coming alongside churches and saying, hey, what could happen when we all come together? What could happen at the end of the day when we all say yes and lean in, jump in, and ultimately push in and say, things aren't the way that they are supposed to be, but things can change. Things can become something different. Hope can actually be alive and real and in front of us. And so uh, my job is to, to, to make that happen, to bring that together, uh, to join God ultimately in all the things that he's doing to renew everything. 
Yeah. Well, I love this about you, Jordan, because you are a local pastor guy. Like you, your wife's a fantastic preacher, teacher. Uh, you've been an elder. You're often preaching in churches. Uh, before FH, you were on staff um, at our church in DC. Like you, you have a heart for the local church and you get what it's like to have to write messages. You get what it's like uh, to be in ministry, even from like an elder side. And and I, and I again, I, I so, so just appreciate that heart that you have. Um, I'm, I'm curious because because um, when we talk about mission and we talk about trying, and I think about this often, whenever I'm preaching, I don't want people just to hear the information. And, and every preacher knows this. Like I, I, I want them to, I want them to experience transformation, but that transformation just can't stay with them. It, it's It's got to move from the pews into the streets. It, it, it's got to move into the, the communities. It's got to yeah. move into the marketplace. It's got to move overseas. And um, Andrew, you've, you know, we've known each other <clears throat> since high school, which is crazy. Um, we've, we served in churches together and um, you know, you're one of my closest friends on the planet, but I remember you sharing with me kind of this almost funnel for um for mission. Um, it started with awareness and, and you just would walk me through this. And I remember like, man, the first time I heard it, I, I thought it was so helpful. And I just think for, for so many preachers listening to this, emerging voices, uh, women and men who have been teaching for decades, I think this is so helpful to think through as we want to engage well with communities locally and globally. Explain that to, to our listeners. Man, it's it's tough to <laughs> capture a, a lifetime of you know what what you've learned the hard way and distill it down. But I know uh, for many people, and and if you grew up in the faith tradition like I did, um, oftentimes mission was uh, an optional thing. It was for for certain people that maybe they you know they're over there doing their thing, but you know we're trying to do the work of discipleship, and so sometimes that that disconnect, that bifurcation uh, just happens. And I don't know, that's, that's well, there's reasons for that, but I won't get into that. But for me and, and what we, we've talked about over the years is that mission is integral to our discipleship, not optional. And so this kind of discipleship progression, which actually I built, uh, you, you're trying to give me credit for it, but I built it around a lot of your work you did with students back in the day and identity and belonging and mission. And so all those things, how does that come together? Well, it, it's not, you don't just jump to the next phase, right? Like there's a, uh, there's a shaping we all go through in life and it's not always linear as we know, but they're just these phases that we put together. So it's, it is, it starts with awareness. So from awareness of what, uh, awareness of the, the fractured world that we're in, awareness of the specific needs that people have, awareness of the hurts and pains, because that's where God's heart is, right? Um, it's kind of those key questions a mentor shared with me, uh, like, well, who's Jesus? Um, what's he up to? And how do I orient everything he's given me around what he's up to? That That's that awareness piece, right? And so how you then respond to that awareness, you, you start to explore. You start to think about, Okay, here's how God wired me. Here's the gifts he's put in my hands. Here's the passions and, and pains that I hold. Uh, how do I explore that? What, what's my part to play? As, as Jordan was saying, what, what's my part in this whole, uh, kingdom that is advancing, whether or not I'm joining or not? Like that kingdom is moving forward. This kingdom, this new reality, this new humanity, it's happening right now. How, what's my part to play in that? So you start to explore that and then you realize, oh, there is something. There, there are a few things, maybe one, five, whatever. It's um, 
mind to invest. So awareness, exploration, investment, and why we invest. We invest for the long haul, right? We're, we're investing ourselves. We're investing in relationships to see them repaired, to see them restored, to see what Jesus would already be up to and how we can add into that. And we invest to see sustained transformation. So exactly what you're saying is pre- the best preaching isn't just that information, it's tr- transformation, right? Transformation in Christ. And that's a journey, right? Like we're hoping to see the image and likeness of Christ formed more and more fully through our own lives, but then those that God has put us in relationship with. And so, you know, that, that that's a just a little framework I've used to see, okay, how do we, how are we pursuing Jesus through this whole thing. And, and that's what he, he said. He said, Hey, we'll, we'll come and see what's going on. Come and see this reality. And then he said, well, come follow me, right? It's the come and see, come follow me, then pick up your cross, come and die and see true life, life to the full. So, um, yeah, I, and it, it, it is, it's hard to like, <laughs> that's not a, a snappy thing, right? But it's a, a bit of a filter that I've, I've used over the years. Yeah, that's really good because there, there's even a, a number of churches that I know that their kind of sermon series calendar works off of a come and see, a little bit of attractional, come and follow, a little bit formational, and then come and die series that are like, man, we are going to call you into that. Um, Jordan, you've, you're someone who I've heard preach and speak. Um, for you, when you think about kind of preaching towards mission, are there some texts for you that you're like, man, this, these are just some passages that you go, man, I, I just, uh, I, I remember asking Jamar Tisby this, you know, just, mm-hmm. and he, he just had a riff and I remember going, man, I would have never thought about that. Um, but for you, like when you, when someone comes and says, Hey, preach on the kingdom of God or preaching on mission or preach, you know, kind of that arc towards sustained transformation. Yeah. Uh, what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. What's what, what text would, would be important for you? Yeah, I think the, the first one that always comes to mind for me, and and I think there's a portion of this that it is so commonly preached on, but I think we've missed some key aspects of it, and that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm. And I think as we, we look at it, everybody can kind of recount the story. This is what's happening. This is what's going on. And I think the important thing for us to do is that when people approach the text of the Good Samaritan, they generally view it from a couple of different vantage points. People often view it from the vantage point of this third party. I'm watching this, see this, seeing this kind of play out in front of me, right? This is happening. This is almost like a movie, right? Um, so I have this, this kind of, again, outside perspective looking in. I think the, the second one often we find ourselves in is maybe the person who's, who's passing by. And so we're, we're, we're walking by, we're seeing this happen. We see there's clearly a need next to us. But if I look away, maybe just maybe I'll walk past it. So we visualize ourselves in that perspective. How do I feel? What does that mean to me? What does that look like? The third space, I think, often in that text that people find themselves in is, well, I'm the one that's stopping. I'm the one that's picking somebody up off the ground. I'm taking them to the end. I'm, I'm entering into to, to, to this, this life-lived, shared experience that ultimately isn't necessarily good for me, but I know that I'm intended and supposed to do it, and this is the way I show up for my neighbor. The, the place that most folks don't see themselves in in this passage, and here's what I'm getting at, is a lot of folks don't view it from the vantage point of them being the one who's been attacked and is laying on the ground naked waiting to effectively die. Wow. that That's not a space that most people find, one, easy to be able to resonate with. Some people do. But a lot of folks, that's not the common space to find yourself in. And so as we're we're entering into that, one of the things that I, I, I find really important is to say, hey, how do we take common texts that people are familiar with, understand, know, could walk you through and flip them on their head and say, hey, what if we view it from this type of a perspective? Um, Justo Gonzalez is a, a Hispanic theologian who who's done tremendous work 
Um, but one of the, the things that he does is really talk about, hey, how do we view scripture from different lenses and different perspectives? And one of the things he does is he begins to then walk through uh, uh, the parable of the lost son. And the, uh, uh, in this entire interaction, he begins to unpack, well, what's the, the, the changing point of the story? And ultimately, right, your context, where you're coming from, impacts how you view Scripture, impacts how you see this laid out in front of you. For most of us in the, uh, this, this parable specifically, we're like, oh, man, it, it's when he runs out of money. Oh, it's when he finally realizes, I, I need to go back. It's when he realizes, oh, I'm going to leave in the first place. There's these, these turning points. And for so many people around the world, that's not the vantage point where they see the actual shift in the passage. Where they see it is, no, there's a great famine that hits. That's what impacts everything. Everything changes because of the famine. But so many of us, especially here in the United States or from the West, we haven't experienced famine. It's not a reality. We don't really resonate with some of those aspects of it. And so the biggest thing I think for us is we preach to specific texts, and there's so many that we can jump into, is how do we come at it from a different vantage point, a different perspective? How do we see it from the eyes of the oppressed, from the marginalized, from the one who is on the side of the street, that maybe, just maybe, we don't necessarily identify uh, the most commonly with? And from that space, then, what does that invitation look like? What does that calling look like? What does our response look like when all of a sudden my role isn't the one who's coming to save and to pick up, but my role is the one who's needing to be saved, which is all of us, right? That's what Jesus did when Jesus showed up, when he uh, really came into the world and his ministry began at, at 30, right? It's this space of just being able to come and, and inhabit and understand that we need to be saved, that we need to be in relationship, and that we're all stricken, outcasts, pushed to the side of the road. We all need to be lifted up. Jesus lifted us up. There's a gift in that. And so how do we enter into that narrative? How do we enter into that story? How do we view it from that perspective? And so I think for me, that, that's a really key passage that I consistently come back to with folks and say, hey, how about we just really set the, the table here, right? Let's, let's level the playing field. Let's all come from this perspective. Let's begin to be challenged in the ways that we're viewing from inside of the text and how that then changes the way that we view those outside of that specific space as well. So I think for me, that's a key piece is going, hey, what are those places? What are the spots that might not necessarily fit into our context, but fit into so much of the context of the world? And then how do we, we, we move at that teaching from that perspective specifically? I love that, Jordan. And, and this is one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is because I get the privilege of learning um, and sermon ideas just start jumping through my mind. Because as you even walked through that, I was like, man, I've never taught, you know, from the famine perspective, I've never taught from the perspective of, oh yeah, which character? Because we, we often are like, are you the priest or are you the Levite or, you know, are you the Samaritan? But you never to sit and actually think about. And I think that's one of the, 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 the gifts of actually getting on a plane and traveling to actually spend time with people who are, who have experienced a famine and to learn how they experienced coming home or experienced the dependence or the, the power of partnership or the church or, or to, to actually be with those in, who have been marginalized or who are suffering and struggling. And one of the, the most amazing pieces, because I think I was so trained in kind of a compassion response, like in, and I mean that in the word, like to actually, when you see a need, like showcase a level of compassion. And we had this ministry at, at one of the churches I served at called Compassion and Justice, and I remember in one of the meetings real, realizing, man, 
our people are so good at responding really, really quickly. But in that investment to what Andrew, you were talking about into that sustained transformation, man, that, that takes time. That takes relationship. That takes trust. That takes partnership. And I, I just realized, man, in our ongoing, ever-changing news cycle, sometimes we have just been shaped to thoughts and prayers, make a little help here, move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. And you're just trying to constantly keep up with mission. And so I'm curious because we had the privilege, you know, we just coming back from the Dominican Republic and, you know, Jordan, Andrew, you guys, you guys took me to a few different communities and these communities were at like almost a different place. And I've just saw uh, how you all had chosen to be aware uh, to actually explore and not explore what you think you can do. But I, but even in the, in the terms of your story of the good Samaritan, it's like you all have come and, and gotten curious with those and just saying, Hey, what is it that you are, are sensing and longing for and needing? And so I, I just, I think there's something so beautiful and powerful. And, and especially what I saw and learned, um, from these beautiful people in the DR, but talk about a little bit of that philosophy and strategy, um, of just how you go about partnering with communities, um, across the globe. Maybe Andrew, I'll start with you and then Jordan jump in after that. Yeah, I mean, I, so so many pieces of that are so critical to uh, yeah to us being the fully formed body of Christ globally, right? Um, beyond my own individualism, to see my part in the global body, it's it's critical. And, and you're totally right. I remember uh, a pastor, preacher, theologian uh, from from Africa, from Nairobi, actually, Oscar Miru. He would talk about that. Of like, look. Uh, the turning of the jewel, then we see different perspectives. And so that takes a, my, my ultra simplistic <laughs> paraphrase of what he said was, you know, you either trust um, the person who's telling you what they see, which takes relationship and trustworthiness and like actually believing that person, or you go to see what they see, right? And and that reminds me of another phrase that's been formative for me is, you know, the the seeds to the solution of the problems people face are in the soil where they're found. So I, I something that resonates deeply with me and how um, any kind of, any kind of mission work, but uh, particularly with food for the hungry is that, that approach is, no, no, no. It's the people that God has placed in those locations who understand what God's up to. He's given them a dream for their own communities. And m- many times it just takes that, Good Samaritan perspective of okay, well, what like you were saying, Steve, get get curious. I don't know that context of La Hagua in the Dominican Republic. I don't know their daily reality. Um, I I might have a perspective of it, um, but it takes either I have to have a relationship to trust that what they're saying is their reality, or I need to go and go alongside others who do know what's happening there. So um, I, I think that's that's the whole hope, hope and heart is it's not that we can't do anything about it. It's a it's what's our actual and right position in this relationship. And so, you know, I mean from a preaching perspective, the the four fractured relationships at the fall were the relationship with God, with ourselves, with each other, and with creation, right? And so what what we're endeavoring to do is start to knit back together 
with, with, with motivated by the love of Christ, knit back together, reconciling those relationships. And that's where it starts in, in those communities is you start to build that kind of trust. And so our, you know, 99% of Food for the Hungry staff work and live in their, their, their own context. That's, that's their home. You know, so it's not me coming from Southern California telling them what they should be doing. It's, me actually going alongside of our good friend Carlos, who says, hey, here's what's happening here. Here's what we're up to. Here are some of the dreams and desires that this community has. And and to see those relationships start to be restored. So, I mean, the, there's a more succinct way to say all that. And Jordan could probably summarize that. But that to me, that that's the guts of this, right? So I don't know what you would add on that, Jordan, but probably yeah. um, bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> I think a big piece of it, right, is it's it's worldview. Worldview controls everything in so many ways, shapes, and forms. Of, of, again, if we view something a specific way, that's ultimately how we're going to continue to to live in and live out. And so if we view things from a place of where where a lot of the world views it from, this place of fatalism that says, right, I've been poor, my parents were poor, my grandparents are poor, their parents were, my kids are going to be poor, this is the reality of life, and that's that. It's never going to change. This is it. What, what's there to, 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 to move towards, right? This is the reality of life. I'm going to, to embrace it and be in that. But we know that, that that reality is not the case. We know that that's not the truth. We know that there is hope. There is possibility of change and opportunity. And we know that at the end of the day, right, people have been created with dignity and they've been given gifts and skills and talents. And so what our hope is, is for that hope to become that reality, for that ultimately to begin to see that shift out of a place of fatalism into a place of biblical hope where people say, God is doing something. We want to join him in doing that. And I get to be a part of that. I have a uniqueness that I get to be a part of that. I'm this piece of the puzzle, right? That if I get to express the giftings and the, the desires, the dreams that God's placed within me and those express themselves out, that ultimately that's not just for the betterment of myself, but it's for the betterment of all those around me. And well, uh, Andrew mentioned those, the reconciling of those broken relationships. It's key, but it all comes from that place, that worldview to say, no, the, there is possibility. There is hope. I get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of that. God made me in his image, in his, you know, again, uniqueness and his likeness to get to contribute, to get to be a part, to get to speak into, to get to voice, to get to have agency, to get to advocate on behalf of not only myself, but those that surround me, right? When I get to own this, my goodness, people cannot be stopped because it's not people within themselves. There's an operational point of, of where the spirit takes over within that space, right? When we say yes, when we yield, when we surrender, when we come in and we say, God, would you use me for your purposes, right? When I lean into that, when my neighbor leans into that, our communities change, our communities transform. Things begin to be vocalized that had never been vocalized, not because they weren't somewhere deep down, but simply because now there's an actual belief that that could actually happen. Yeah. And when yeah. somebody, right, when somebody believes that that can happen, it will happen. When people come together to say, it's not just about me accomplishing something, but it's about us collectively coming together to say, how does that reality take shape? How does this place become just a little bit more like we mentioned in the beginning, right? Just a little bit more like the kingdom of God and a little bit more after that and a little bit more after that. All of a sudden, right, a community begins to shift to be completely unrecognizable from what it was to what it will be for the next generation. And that generation then has a completely different opportunity at life that's in front of them, not in a place of fatalism that says, this is it, this is it. Nothing else is going to change. Nothing else is going to happen. But to say, no, we know where we're going. We're marching. We unify. We're together. We're whole. 
Each of us, I with my God, I with myself and understanding who I've been made to be, I with my neighbors, that if that's the case for me, it's the case for you and us to say, how do we steward this place? How do we steward all of these things that God's put in front of us ultimately for the thriving of the society and the ultimately, the ultimately, right? At the end of the day, everything that we're called to do, that it would point back to Jesus. It wouldn't point back to us, that it wouldn't point back to a space, it wouldn't point back to a thing, but it would all point back to Jesus. And so that's, that's how it is to say, again, it's not about somebody showing up to say, I know how to fix something. It's by us showing up and being in relationship, by establishing trust, the foundation ultimately, right, of this biblical opportunity that's in front of all of us. It's not just for communities in the DR. It's not just for communities in Ethiopia. It's not just for communities outside of the United States context, but that's for you who are listening. That's for your community as well. That's the reality in front of us. And when we as pastors, as church leaders, have the opportunity to mobilize people, to bring them together, to put this vision in front of it, to see people reconciled to God, to themselves, to others, and to creation, we have the opportunity to see our cities change, our towns change, the spaces that we live, work, and play, the places that we love. And much like when we go into a community community and foster a relationship and establish trust and move from that foundation, people say yes. People jump in, dive in, and own the role that they have to play within the greater scope of what God is doing. That has the opportunity to happen in your community. Mm. You have the opportunity as a pastor to call people into that, maybe a place they've never seen. They had no idea that they had the opportunity to be a part of something taking place, not only in their own context, but maybe that is globally as well. But that's our role that we get to play to catalyze, to invite people in, to call things out in people that they haven't seen within themselves and to set them free on behalf of the kingdom's sake and to watch that take shape, to watch that happen and to watch that not only change uh, felt needs that are right there in the moment, but ultimately systemic things that have continued to, to cause difficulty, that have continued to cause division and rift to see that fractured world healed and ultimately press their way forward for a healthy, again, Christ-focused community and culture that ultimately drives towards the possibility of a new tomorrow. Oh man, bro. Just, uh, let's just record that, play that on Sunday and watch people, uh, <laughs> come to the Lord. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's, that's, that's so, so beautiful, you know? And, and I think about my time with my counselor, my counselor often says, Steve, you want to be a safe person and you want to build trust. So you know how you, how you do that. And I'm like, no, I need help. And, and my counselor's like, it's consistency over time, showing up, being proximate, being honest and human, consistent over a long period of time creates safety and trust and relationships. And what's so beautiful for me is I, I, I was leaving my time at the DR and I, I found myself because we went with um, two pastors from Church in the City out in Nashville, and they they were with us. And um, you know, shout out to Robbie and 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 Alice. And like Robbie, Robbie like has been coming back to the DR for the last like decade, and he kept running into people, and people were like Robbie, and like like they knew him, and there was there was a genuine. Oh, we're we're brothers. Like we're or this is this is my sister. Like they 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 had it was just so beautiful for me to see that. And I, I'm I'm curious because FH has a strategy to really build that consistency 
um, over a long period of time that really works, as Andrew talked about, for that aware, explore, invest, sustain, transformation, and flourishing um, that, Jordan, you talk about often. Um, Andrew, talk about that 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 strategy towards that consistency um, and actually what partnership looks like um, between a church and another church uh, and another community um, in other developing parts of the world. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, well, I think it is, it's catalyzed by these, these moments of connection, right? And um, oftentimes that, that progression a, a community uh, here in the U.S. will go through is kind of like what we took you on is, hey, come, come see, come and see, come and see what God's up to. Come put your feet on the soil in this place, see what's going on. Um, and then you find resonance with that approach. So anytime we enter into a new community, uh, there is a very intentional approach to address the holistic needs of that community. And like Jordan said, it's, it starts with worldview, but it's also looking at uh, the core needs of that community and surfacing those core needs by kind of circling up and, and doing home visits, circling up community leaders, getting a sense of the, the dreams and the pains and the, the progress that is made or what, what isn't there. Um, but it's that asset-based approach. What are the assets that are already being tapped into? How do you help a community identify those and then be able to utilize those? So we've got um, experts on the ground that will walk the community through that process. And the fun part is in partnership, communities here in the U.S., get to see, okay, well, we'll send teams down, but what we're doing is we're accompanying this community in their journey to stand up on their own two feet, right? We're, we're seeing that this community discover a, a worldview that animates and activates their agency. Like it's, it's that part we get to play in the body is really walking, locking arms and walking with communities. It's not a project to do. It's a person to connect with. And, and that's, I feel like that's the transformative stuff, right? And it's, Something, I mean, you talk passages, uh, that preach toward mission. Uh, I mean, let's, there's so many. You can go back Isaiah 61, one and two, Luke four, but then Acts one eight kind of shows that progression and that pattern, right? So the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, like that one will preach all day. You could go, we could peel away those layers, but here's the interesting part is exactly what Jordan was saying. It's a, it's a here and there thing. So it's not just about those needs there. It's, Hey, actually, the, this, this brother, this sister in Christ, they're showing me something about the needs that I've got in my own life back home. So the here and there part of a partnership is what I see as the, the I mean, it's been my, my story as well. Like that's the transformative part in my own heart, my own soul, my own belief in Christ is when I encounter someone and I walk with them to see their journey out of extreme poverty. I start to see the areas where I'm deficient and I see, I need the repair. And it's that I'm, I miss that part of the body because I'm not in connection. I'm not proximate. I'm not getting curious. I'm not walking with them. So the, the joy we have is partnering those communities and walking together in that. Andrew, uh, like a great point guard setting up his shooting guard right now. One of my favorite lines that you have taught me is if I take the Bible and I turn a page, what am I going to find? on every page of the Bible. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, it's true. And my best stuff I stole from someone else. So feel free, like whatever. You don't need no, to footnote me. No, no, uh, no. But you got to answer that question. I just, I, 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 yeah. what, what, what break that thing well, down I mean, right there. 
you know, we're, we're, we're talking about preaching toward mission. So, you know, the answer, everyone listening already knows the answer. Like, come on, people. Like uh, uh, a mentor and, and professor of mine along the way said that is, hey, if you, if you turn to every page throughout scripture, you will see God's heart toward mission, toward the other, toward those that aren't a part of our little clique club. Like that, that is all the way through scripture. And so, and similar to what Jordan was saying, if, if you just turn the jewel of scripture a little bit, you're going to see a different angle and you'll see it in that light. And so, man, I mean, we talk about just doing performative things. Well, camp out in Isaiah 58 for a while. Like that's like, that's God's heart to say and call out the performative worship of his people. And he's like, actually, if you want to do something holy, you should do these things. Yeah. And and then Jesus says, hey, you shouldn't forget the, like, you should do both. Like, don't forget the things that you're trying to employ of the law, but don't forget the most important part, the mercy and the justice of it. So, yeah, man, in, anywhere you, you flip a page in your Bible, you'll see God's heart toward mission. Well, I love that. And I'm going to circle back to La Hagua because you talked about that community, and that was um, a community that we got to go visit. And I remember showing up and in, into this space and you had different, you know, uh, community leaders, different pastors uh, from some different churches, um, young kids, older people there. And we got to hear from them, like what their dream is to, to Jordan's point, what their heart was. And there was just this beginning partnership with FH and I, and I loved it to kind of see. And, you know, I, I learned just even being there that if there's not paved roads, that community is not recognized by the government. Um, and so we drove on a dirt road there and you just, you could hear the people talk about like, wow, like something I just take for granted. You know, I, I don't even think about, but what that represents. Um, and then we went to another community that was maybe four or five years in a partnership. And then we went to a community that was about nine years in a partnership. And, you know, I, I pastor at Four City Church and we've got a community that we are just beginning to partner with. And I'm so excited to, to, to dive deeper into that community to learn from them and our partnership with, with Food for the Hungry. But, but Jordan, walk us through because there is a bit of a, a time frame in this relationship of consistency that you, um, articulated to me. And then we went to Cameroon and I heard them say a couple things that just literally blew my mind. Uh, mm. So, so talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So our, our goal as we enter into a partnership with the community at the end of the day is that we would see that community self-sustainable uh, at the end of a 10 year process. So somewhere between that 10 and 12 year mark is the, is the goal that a community would say, FH, we love you. We don't need you anymore. We got this. We can do this. We know where we're headed. And one of the things you're you're referencing to Steve in Cameroon is multiple of the community leaders in this this really bittersweet space of oh the the love is real, right? The love is deep. We have built such a bond over the course of the last ten plus years, and now we're 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 at this moment where as much as we don't want you to leave, we also know that there's other communities that that you can do this same partnership that you've done with us and, and that you can see other communities experience the same thing that we've experienced. And so as much as we don't want you to go, as much as we don't want to see that happen, we, we understand that it's time and we've got this. We know where we're headed. We know where we're going. We know the dreams that God's put in front of us and we will accomplish them, right? And, and so that's our goal. 
is that that would be the case that FH would exit communities after about a 10-year process where a community would then be seen as uh, a place of self-sustaining. Now, that, that's a rigorous process to get into that space. Our goal is not just to leave after 10 years, but the goal is that communities are genuinely set up well for that work to continue to happen. And so we're measuring that. It's obscenely data-informed, but there's also this qualitative space of it in these two different areas. One is the expectancy of hope for the future. The other one is, is uh, again, is the community caring for one another? And so how are we seeing that lived out in number of spaces? It's not just as has the, the economy, uh, you know, again, significantly increased across the space. So that is the average household income increased, has water been made available, has agricultural opportunity and food security being addressed, all these things, right, that we would look at on a holistic level from a poverty perspective. But how's the community showing up for each other? How are people caring for one another? How is that on display? How is that being viewed and seen and benevolence truly being lived out in a really, you know, again, genuine way of life? And then simultaneously, are people expressing in conversation expectancy of hope for the future and for what's to come and knowing, right, where they're headed, what's happening, what's to come, and that it can be accomplished, that it can happen, that it's not daunting, right? That it is, in fact, possible, we all come together. And again, when we see that reconciliation consistently happen, taking place, right? That's renewed daily, right? That's not just one thing that happens. That's us consistently entering into that space that folks would say in that space, again, we're ready. We can do this. We've got this. We love you, but we don't need you. And the same thing, right, is, is we have churches who come alongside these communities, that that's a, a very real reality moment that we all have together, right, at the table to say we, we love each other. We're here for each other. We're showing up for each other. It's not just about showing up and accomplishing, but it's about showing up and being in genuine, honest relationship with one another, seek mutual transformation, that at the end of the day, we can look back and say, look at all that God has done, and we love you, and God bless you as you move into the future that God has for you as a community. Now let's go do this thing again and again and again. And so we're working that out in about 5,700 communities across the world right now, where, where that's the intent, that whole communities would seek transformation. Uh, and again, not just for the moment, but for generations to come uh, as it stands. Man, it, I'll tell you, a highlight for me of 2022 was um, being in Cameroon. And um, we sat in a, a little elementary uh, classroom and young and old were there. And you just, you almost could feel how um, these women had like pulled together um, these kind of committees and groups. And you saw these, this, I remember at one moment, like I was sitting next to this young girl and um, she probably was, you know, looked like she was 14 maybe. And, and just, I was like, what do you desire? And, and what she shared um, was just so tender and so earnest and so beautiful. Um, but there were these moments of like paved roads and, we we walked like a mile and a half outside of the community and this whole like town had come together and, and really built this, this well. And it wasn't just giving water for them. It was actually spreading over to neighboring communities. And I just, I just, it was like this hope that was empowered was now being shared. And like you said, it was like <laughs> that moment of, Hey, we love you. Thank you. And we don't need you because we need you to go continue this in other communities around the world. And I just, again, just that was so, so beautiful. And I'm so excited. Uh, what's amazing too, Andrew, you, you had talked about the power of the here and there. 
And I, you know, I was, I was getting on a plane and you know, when you, when you walk in the airport, you, you know, you drive into certain cities, you know, like Chicago, like sister city would be Toronto. And I've just been thinking about this community in the, in the DR for four city church. That's our sister community. They're going to help shape and form our people to become more of who Christ intended us to be. And can we do it on our own? I guess, but not to be the fullest expression of ourselves because we have something to learn from them. And I, I love the partnership that we're joining in. Um, and, and I think for many of us who are pastors, how are we discipling and shaping our people um, to actually encounter locally, be shaped and formed in, in local mission, but also globally? Because these, these sister communities, man, they have something to teach us about the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, and, and I just, I, I just want to challenge you, you know, around that, like, because I know a lot of good churches who have some good work locally, but they don't have that. And you have in your community opportunities, means, talents, treasure, time um, to not just help, but actually to experience true formation through how they're actually going to help you. And it's amazing. And so um, I would love, love, love for you to think about food for the hungry, fh.org. But I also, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say one wish and also one piece that I think is important. Um, But, but here's the other thing, even as we enter into the end of the year, I, I know for many churches, like you get to the end of your year and God has been faithful and good. I was talking with the church last year and they, they had just this heart for something that was happening in the world. And I'm talking to this pastor and um, I'm like, dude, you know what? That desire that you have, you got to talk to Jordan from FH. And a, a conversation happened, a partnership started and, and they had some extra means toward the end of the year that came in and they wanted to really help. And, and FH was able to put that money to play because for many of us who are pastoring and writing messages and trying to be present locally, we know we have this desire. We just don't know how to do that with wisdom and help. And, um, friends, I want you to know if there's ways that I can help put you in contact with Jordan and Andrew, they're amazing. But then here's my actual wish. Here's my actual wish is, I kind of want to play this aware, explore, invest, sustain piece out. And I, I've been wrestling with this and you got to give me a little bit of grace here because I might not say this correctly, but I, I, I was, I was pulled aside uh, recently and, 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 and someone shared with me, they said, Steve, you know, that um, there's a lot of conflict zones in our world right now. And I was like, yeah, you know, like what's happening in Ukraine? Um, you know, that there he's like, yeah, yeah, big. I mean, it's it's devastating. But you know that there's more that's happening. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? Like it's not being told on the news. Well like you know what's happening in in Africa. And I was like, honestly, I don't know. And it, and it really led me to begin to discover, man, there's, there are certain times where certain issues and, and areas in our world get more publicity and press, but there's one that is, is happening in Africa right now that I didn't know about. And so I, I, you know, get on the phone with Jordan and I'm like, Jordan, what is going on in the world? And Jordan's like, oh, it's, it's, there's a crisis. There is a crisis at hand. And, and I just, I, I started learning about this and 
I don't know. For me, I thought of all the pastors um, who listened to craft and character, I had this idea of going, what if we could actually start to get aware of something that's not getting enough publicity and maybe begin to explore it together? Who knows what God might do, but to really begin to start saying, hey, is there a way that we might make a little investment? So I'll talk about that in a second. But Jordan, any more that you might be able to share, because you taught me so much about some areas that I didn't know and some crisis that I didn't know, which is another great reason of having a great partner with like FH, because I can call you and be like, bro, what is going on? In the world? And you're like, oh, da, 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 da. And I'm like, thank you. That's helpful. But, but talk about that. You know, absolutely. The, the one of the biggest crises happening right now is in the Horn of Africa, and so uh, right now there are about 36 million people being impacted by severe drought and famine. Um, again, mentioned that literally earlier in this podcast, right? Viewing from that perspective, but that's that's taking place. It's happening. It's not being seen. There's so many factors that are contributing to that. It's uh, again so much driven by conflict, but additionally being driven uh, by by climate, being driven by COVID, right? There's so many external factors that have that have come into this space, but even the impact being felt across the Horn of Africa right now, being impacted by the, the, the lack of ability to export grain from Ukraine, from Eastern Europe into spaces where it is is deeply, deeply needed and not being able to to be to be used right now. And so you have these mass hunger crises that are taking place. Again, 36 million people being impacted between now and the end of, of, of this year, of 2022, somebody will die every 36 seconds from hunger-related causes that are incredibly preventable. Don't need to happen. From displacement, again, predominantly driven by conflict, conflict in the regions that it's in and that, that it's taking place in, again, Ethiopia, Kenya, Somalia, uh, that, that vicinity as it stands. And so there's just this, this deep need. We talk about wanting to see, right, this, this ultimate change at the end of the day. We have people right now in the Horn of Africa that are hoping to, to simply be able to make it to tomorrow, for that reality to be the case for their children. And the answer is they can be the case. They can be. We could come together, right? We come together as the body. So I'll be a part of the solution. So Food for the Hungry, by the grace of God, we're so thankful. We've been able to, to come alongside and walk with uh, literally millions of people across the Horn of Africa as it stands. But the, the, the need is so massive um, as it stands. And so what we've been doing is saying, hey, come with us. Be, be in this with us. That if we all come together, if we all pool and create opportunity to see uh, impact, then we can uh, hopefully piece by piece, kind of, again, chipping away at it, make an impact and, and literally save lives uh, for people across the entirety of the Horn of Africa. So again, this is a, a conflict-driven, predominantly, uh, again, hunger and famine and drought that's taking place in the space. And uh, there's, there's a deep, deep need at hand and in front of us to, to jump into and to be a part of the solution. Well, you think about that, 36 million affected every 36 seconds someone dies. And, and when you said that, Jordan, I just, my mind went to Ezekiel 36, 36, which is to rebuild um, what was destroyed, to restore what was broken. And this is, this is, this is a chance for, for us as church leaders uh, to respond. I, I, I've been encouraged by Pastor Scott Sauls, uh, who tweeted out recently, Christian philanthropy accounted for 70% of all American philanthropy in 2022 at $300 billion total. Christians also outgave the U.S. government in addressing global poverty. That comes from Barna uh, from this tweet. And I just, that was like, oh, this is what we can do. 
and what is possible. Um, and this is, this is the church often showing up and doing this. And so um, I asked my friends at, at FAH if, if we could create a link, because I think that the pastors here, the churches that are represented that listen, my friends who are business leaders who listen to this, to this, uh, people who just in, in a way at the end of the year want to make a donation, um, to actually help this Africa hunger crisis that's affecting 36 million and every 36 seconds someone's dying. Um, so what I want to do is in our show notes, but fh.org Africa hunger crisis. Um, fh.org slash Africa hunger crisis. And what I want to do is I'm going to just challenge us to raise $50,000. Um, I don't ever really ask for money. Um, I don't get any pro like any percentage of what comes in. This is, this is legitimately all about us trying to not just talk about preaching on mission, but let's be about it. Let's be about it. Let's get, let's get aware. Let's start to explore. Let's start to invest. Um, maybe for some of you, like, you know, some, some places in your church that you're like, man, you know what? Like, this could be a really great thing that we could do as students or, or you know what? This could be an opportunity with some of our end of the year giving to, to kind of make a, uh, a contribution. Man, I'd love to put you in co- conversation with Andrew and Jordan. Maybe for some of you, you're like, wait, wait, a 10 year, partnership with a community that will shape us and we could take our people there and um, we could learn and build relationships. You want to learn? I would love to introduce you to Jordan and Andrew because again, why this is so important is because it's going to shape your people and shape your church to be everything that God intended and created us to be. So my friends, please Please, would you contribute? I'm going to contribute myself. Um, this is so, so important. Um, and this is a chance for us to respond to what God is up to. www.fh.org slash Africa hunger crisis. And you can go to that page. You'll see some of the, the practical issues that we're going to tackle and we're going to go after and, and where this, these resources will go to. Jordan, Andrew, I, I, anything that I missed in that that you would just say as a final remark? Because um, again, I want people to understand this, is, this isn't just a theory about preaching. And this, this, this actually reminds me day in and day out, man, we, we are in the business of shaping and forming people. Our words have power, but we can empower people to partner that can actually in the, in the present um, really help sustain some people and be transformed through those relationships. So any more that you might share as we, as we come to the close and the end of our podcast. Yeah. Thanks Steve for that. And I know uh, in our world right now, there's, there's potentially just want to address the, 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 the eye roll, you know, at some of this stuff Um, we're, we're coming at you because this is uh, this is what has formed my understanding of God's kingdom has been joining what he's up to with people, right? And so that's that's the thing I would add to this, Steve, is that this is not some like, hey, you should do. This is deeply rooted in in the scripture of a disciple is one who hears the word and does it, right? So yeah. if you're if you're sensing a, a stirring or like a oh, like anything, pay attention to that one because th- that's often how God's spirit is like those nudges, you know. And I know um a lot of us, even post-COVID, right? Maybe you had a global engagement at one point and then COVID maybe maybe took that out. So um, this is happening. Like God's people are still about 
his work. <laughs> COVID didn't, didn't stop that in these communities. And uh, I just love that power of the unity of the body can be expressed in, in tangible ways that shift futures, not just here, but there. And so when we can focus on something together, I love that you're, you're throwing that out there for, for your, your audience, man. Cause uh, uh, that collective, the power of collective impact is, is huge. And it starts with uh, these kinds of conversations. So let's, let's keep walking together, but I really, really appreciate you, Steve, and, and the way that you are investing your gifts in life to see uh, the body of Christ mature, because that's our journey, right? Our journey is mm. one toward maturity. And um, mm. thanks for bringing us along with you. And man, it's going to be fun to see what God will do. So appreciate you, man. Yeah, no, I, I want to leave this with a, with, a, with a scripture. And that's uh, from Romans 15, 13. And it says this, and this is the people that, that I believe that God's calling us to be. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so that's my, my invitation to us. That's my challenge to us. Let's be filled up with that. And let's be people who are overflowing with hope by the power of the Spirit and that all of that joy and peace would come in your life for that trust in him. And we would jump forward, step forward together. So thank you all. And thank you, Steve. And uh, God bless you, brother. Thanks so much, guys. And I love that passage. That's that's what I hope. That's what I really, really hope. And um, again, uh, www.fh.org slash Africa Hunger Crisis. $5, whatever you can give. This is just an opportunity for us to come together. I know we have people listening from countries like Peru and, and, and South America and, and Africa and Europe and Canada. Um, we have people all over and this is our chance just to, to come together and be united. And so please do that. And thanks so much to preaching today and Hope International University and, and FH, Food for the Hungry. Um, who continue just to, to partner to help us grow in the craft of communication and ensuring that our character always leads the way. Go to fh.org, learn more about what they're doing in the world. As Jordan said, 5,700 communities. And maybe God might be prompting and stirring. And if I can help in any way, you always know how to reach me, steve at steveryancarter.com. I'd love to connect you. Well, much love, everyone. Grace and peace. And may the words of Romans 15, 13 carry us into the new year. See y'all in January. Grace and peace. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.